I want to mention them to you again real quick. This afternoon at 4 o'clock is the informational meeting for our missions trip to Mexico, which takes place October 10th and through the 16th. This is an opportunity for the people of Avalon Church to serve and to grow spiritually through their experience of serving others. If you're interested, it's not a commitment. It's just an informational meeting, October 10th through the 16th, but that meeting is this afternoon at four o'clock and we'll meet for about an hour. This coming Friday night, the 18 to 25 group in our church is hosting a praise and prayer night. This will be a phenomenal night. It will be a spirit-filled night. This is an opportunity for spiritual growth and it's an opportunity for fellowship and it's an opportunity for worship. Uh, I, I want to encourage you to come and be a part of that. I, the more people who come to worship, the more uh, deep it seems that the, uh, the worship, the more meaningful the worship is. I hope this Friday night that you'll come and be a part of that. This coming Saturday, our ladies' ministry is uh, hosting their quarterly Let's Get Real meeting. The, uh, the subject matter this coming Saturday is the divine exchange. And um, I can't encourage you more uh, to consider this opportunity of spiritual growth and fellowship. This is a meeting that is always full of the spirit and his power and his uh, his life-changing, transformational involvement in the lives of women. And I, if you're sitting on the fence and you're thinking about going, I want to encourage you, whatever it takes, whatever you have to put off, come and be a part of that on Saturday. And then, and then get your youth, your middle school and high school students to camp it's time to register for that. It's past time to register for that. Believe it or not, they leave for camp five weeks from tomorrow. And so they're working very, very hard and preparing for that. Uh, but don't be last minute on that. You can see somebody in the lobby this morning uh, to get your teenager registered for camp. And then I want to mention to you as well before we get into our Bible study, um, I want to thank so, so many of you for your service last Sunday during our Easter service times. Uh, many of you served in a, in a wonderful way, sacrificially, lovingly, and we had a wonderful, wonderful service, services last Sunday. Uh, one of the things that we wanted to accomplish that we asked the Lord if he would allow us to accomplish is we had 54 children in Mexico who we wanted to sponsor, in other words, in, in, in a manner, uh, adopting them into 54 specific families. And I want you to know this morning that we were able to sponsor all 54 children. And I'm very, very grateful for that. It is a confirmation of God's involvement in the vision that he has given us. And uh, I couldn't be more pleased. We're not done. This is the very, very first step. Um, Lorraine, who runs our greeting ministry, told me last night, she said, you know, Pastor Dale, um, 
When we take the first step of faith, that's when God unleashes his power. And I really believe that that is true. God gives you a vision, and it's absolutely nothing until you take that first step of faith. And then he begins to do what only he can do. And I believe that what we experienced last Sunday is a picture of that very truth and principle. Thank you so much for all that you did to make last Sunday a great, great Sunday and one that brought glory to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me pray, and uh, just a brief prayer that asks God to bless our time of Bible study. Lord Jesus, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your presence. We acknowledge, we know, we, you are here with us. Fill this place with your presence and move among your people. Holy Spirit, you speak to your people with clarity and power is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. I thought a great um, place for us to be given the vision that God has given us, the future that we're looking forward to, that we go to the book of Joshua who also had a vision from God to a, a mission, a very specific thing that God had called them to. And there's so much that we can learn from their experience. I would give you first maybe a little bit of background. The Bible, the Old Testament especially, the Old Testament gives us incredible pictures of how God relates to his people an example is when the Jewish people, when the Israelites were freed from uh, Egypt and the blood was spread across the doorpost, it was, it was obviously a picture of the cross of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who shed his blood. It was that blood who gave them freedom and it is the blood of Jesus that gives us freedom. And there are pictures all throughout the Old Testament that reveal to us God and his, his character and his involvement in our life and how he operates in our lives. One of the pictures is the promised land, a land that God promised Abraham and and. Isaac and Jacob and the promise continued. When we reach the book of Joshua, we see the people of Israel after a thousand years of the promise being made, being ready to go in and possess the land that God had promised them. I have heard that preachers talk about the promised land and say that the promised land is a picture of heaven. Nothing could be further from the truth. We are given a description of heaven in the scriptures, a full description. Part of that description is there will be no more tears. There will be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more death. It says these things will have passed away. Yet in the promised land, we see all of these things. We see defeat. We see tears. We see death. We see grief. We see sorrow. 
The reality is, is the promised land is a picture for us of the spirit-filled life. It's a picture for us of the spirit-controlled life. Struggles in the promised land, absolutely. Conflict, absolutely. War, absolutely. Death, absolutely. Grief, absolutely. But being controlled by the Spirit of God, there is peace and there is victory and there is contentment and there are all the fruit of the Spirit that Paul describes for us in Galatians, love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness is to be experienced in the promised land. The promised land is, is our land. It's our experience today. It's important that we understand that context as we look into this story of Joshua. You know the story. I'll give you the context real quick. It's time to go into the promised land. Joshua meets with God. God gives Joshua specific instructions. Their first conflict, their first battle is the city of Jericho. God gives specific instructions about how he wants that battle plan carried out. The children of Israel um, obey him to the letter and they see incredible, incredible victory against an enemy where they were the underdogs. And God gave them victory in such a way that there was no mistaken, it was God who brought the victory and not the people. And as a result, God gets the glory. Also, as a result, the children of Israel were, had built up this incredible amount of confidence It's easy sometimes to experience God's victory in our life and think we have done good. To pat ourselves on the back. When in actuality, all glory should go to him. Especially in this situation where it was so obviously God who brought the victory. Well, this conquest, this taking the land... Uh, this, this promised land was going to be a series of battles, a series of conquests. And after Jericho, the next conquest was to be the city or the town, really, of Ai. It was only about 15 miles from Jericho. But we find the people of God. I, I, I read to you the last verse of Joshua chapter 6, which describes for us the victory at Jericho. And the first verse of chapter 7, the last verse says, So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was in all of the land. Everything was good. People were celebrating. People were worshiping. People were feeling good. And then the first verse of chapter 7 says, But... Bad word, but everything was good, but the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things God had given in specific instruction about what was to be done with the spoils or the, or I should say, and the devoted things from the victory of Jericho. And the people broke faith in that. There's a danger 
in overconfidence. I'm not sure that that is the best word to use here. You have to understand the story of AI. It's really a very simple story. Victory at Jericho, uh, next conquest AI. Joshua calls some of his guys together and he says, why don't you go spy out AI and come back and give me a report. They come back and they say, um, it's, it's, it's just a small town. And we don't need a lot of men to go up there and do battle. Why don't you send a couple thousand, maybe 3,000 men to AI? The, the, the word AI means heap. Um, we, we, we might use the word dump today. It's just small, not many resources. It, 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 was, it was no uh, big deal for the vast armies of the Israelites. And so Joshua, taking the advice of these, of these men who he had sent, sent 3,000 men to Ai. And the Bible tells us that they were soundly defeated. 36 of the Israelite men lost their lives, and they ended up running back to the Israelites' camp. Joshua could not understand what had happened. He didn't know of anything that had gone wrong. And the, and the seventh chapter of Joshua gives us an indication and teaches us a lot of different things about pursuing our vision and pursuing our mission. When we're struggling, we're, we're more dependent on God to the point where oftentimes God, who is provident and sovereign, allows struggles in our lives so that we might turn our head toward him, so that we might pursue him. I know that in my own life, the greater the struggle, the more time I find to spend with God, the more time I find to pray. For many of us in this room, trouble or difficulty that's the only time we call upon the Lord. And I see in this, in this, this story, this scenario, this, this very, very important part of the story. They had this incredible victory at Jericho. AI was next, but nowhere in the scriptures do we see Joshua going to the Lord. We, nowhere do we see Joshua saying, God, how do you want us to do, how do you want us to battle AI? Nowhere do we see Joshua falling on his face as he did in, 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 his, in his interaction with God when he got his instructions for Jericho, falling on his face and saying, Lord, give us clarity. Show us what you want us to do. Joshua thought everything was fine. Joshua thought it was an easy enemy, and they ended up being defeated. The Bible tells us that when the men returned and had been defeated, Joshua fell on his face, it says, starting in verse 7, and cried out to God. God's response, so good. Joshua, get up. Get up off of your face. Consecrate the people. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. There are devoted things in your midst. Listen, 
You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. There was someone in the camp that had sinned, that had gone directly against God's instruction for the Israelites in regard to the spoils of Jericho. Joshua was unaware of it. And it was the result, the direct result of that sin that had taken place. I don't believe that Joshua was devastated by this defeat. He could have easily regrouped and sent more soldiers and defeated Ai. But he was devastated to the point of falling on his face because, listen, this is important, because he knew the power of God that was experienced at Jericho had left them. The Bible calls this quenching the spirit. That there was, a, there was sin in the camp, and as a result of sin in the camp, the power that they had experienced at Jericho had left them. And all that they did from that point on, from that sin, was under their own power. Joshua goes to God, sovereign Lord, he says, why? I don't understand. What, what, what will you do to uphold your reputation if we're defeated? God says, Joshua, get up. This isn't a complicated matter. Israel has sinned. Destroy that sin. Reveal that sin. There is devoted things. God had said, don't touch the devoted things. And yet there was someone who took the devoted things. And God says, there is devoted things in the camp. And they've got to be found. You need to, you need to face up to your issues. God always responds when we go to him. He gives us specific instructions on what to do next. The lesson that Joshua learned really is the focus of this chapter, chapter 7. And that is this. The disobedience of one person can have a profound effect on the whole body. The disobedience of one can have a profound effect on the whole body. It's chapter 6, verses 17 and 18, where, where God gives specific instructions. There was one among the Israelites, his name was Achan, who blatantly disobeyed the specific command of God. And God's anger burned about that. And it burned against the whole congregation. Listen, here's the first verse. This is one guy one guy, here's the first verse. The people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, and the tribe of Judah. He took some of the devoted things, and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. Achan sinned, and yet the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. I believe that this is still true for us today. 
I want to be clear about this. Folks, listen. God has given us a vision. I believe we've, we've taken steps of faith to, 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 to fulfill that vision. I believe we've experienced God's power in that. I also believe that every single one of us have a personal responsibility in our relationship with God, in our holiness, in our hatred of sin, in those hidden sins in our lives, in those unconfessed sins in our lives, because they can hinder what God wants to do through this church in the vision that he has given us. And so I say, I want to be clear about this because there are people sitting in this room right now who struggle with this, who are thinking, oh my, what what influence am I having? What influence is my sin having on the vision God has given us? Your personal sin has the, the potential to destroy Things God has intended for this church family. And let that sink in. We're a body. It's not fair, is it? Right? That one sin would, that God's anger would burn against us all. But you you have to keep in mind that, that we are a body. We're a body of believers. When, when, when one part of the body is sick, the whole body's sick. When one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. When one part of the body is in trouble, the whole body is in trouble. That's why we each, we, you know, we talk about vision, we talk about mission, we talk about moving forward, and it's natural for us to talk about it you know, as, as a group, as a whole, when reality is, is it comes down to the individual responsibilities and behaviors that make up the body. In Aiken's situation, there was a pattern that leads to defeat. I saw, it says... Verses 19 through 23, I I, I saw, I wanted it, I coveted it, I took it, I hid it. This is a process that is not just for material things. We can covet position, we can covet authority, we can covet another man's wife or another woman's husband. And it's sin, and there's this process. I I saw, I I wanted it, I took it, and then I hid. This happens when we place our personal desires above God's desires for us. This happens when, when God speaks to us and gives us clarity and gives us vision and gives us mission and says, here's what I want you to do. And we, we value that, but we value our own plan and our own desires more than that. And it ends up being a situation where we see, we want, we take, and we hide. And it's that hidden part, I believe, that God's anger burns against the people. And it needs to be exposed. That's the message today.
That is the message today, to, to, to take stock of where you're at in your relationship with God, to take stock of, of unconfessed sin, to take stock of hidden sin, where God has us as a church is so very, very important. God's, God's judgment's not to be taken lightly. We must, we must never lose a fear of the Lord. This, this, this respect of him and his authority over us. God's not flippant about any sin. It's no joke to him. He is not going to ignore it. Now listen, the Old Testament, the New Testament, there's some vast, vast differences. You need to understand, as I'm sure most of you do, that God does not punish us for, his, for our sin if we are in Christ, if we've placed our faith in him. Because our sin was punished on the cross. Past, present, future sins were punished on the cross. And by the way, the penalty for that sin was death. That's the price that was paid. But our loving Father does discipline us. And I want to tell you that sometimes that discipline can be extremely harsh. There are some here who have been hiding sin for a long, long time. God will expose that sin. And I believe that the longer we hide it, the more difficult it is when he exposes it. Confession. Getting right. I want to tell you that the story ends well because we have a God that is a God of hope. And we see in chapter 8 of Joshua, after the people repented, after the, after the sin was confessed, after the people repented, after the people got right, after the people were were in, in, in our context, they, they emptied themselves of them and they filled themselves with God's spirit. And chapter eight tells us about the great victory that God gave at Ai. It was the valley of Achor, which, is, which means the valley of trouble. That's what it was named after this defeat. But in Hosea, the second chapter in the 15th verse, we see that this valley was renamed the Valley of Future Hope because of the victory that God brought. So it is with our God. He is a God of hope. Chapter 8 is a chapter depicting the victory God gives Israel over Ai after the sin in the camp was exposed and dealt with according to God's instructions. I'm so glad we serve a God of second chances. Listen, this is really, really simple. This is really, really simple. This, 
this has been preserved for us in Scripture so that we might apply it to our lives today. This is a perfect lesson for us in where God has us as a church in, 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 a, in a pursuit, a passionate pursuit of the instructions that he has given us. But we must be aware that there are things that can hinder us being effective in fulfilling the purpose, the mission, the vision that God has given us. And that thing is sin. And sin must be dealt with. There is hidden sin, there is secret sin, there is unconfessed sin, and it must be dealt with. And praise God, he has given us provision for dealing with that sin. 1 John 1, 9 right? If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's, it's transparency. It, it, you know, when, when Joshua fell on his face and prayed to God, it was an incredibly transparent prayer. That's the way we ought to pray. God, I don't understand. I don't know what went wrong. You know, God, help us. What, you know, where were you? How are we going to bring your name glory if, we're, if we experience these defeats? It was just a, an honest, transparent interaction with God. That's how we ought to pray. Transparency in, in failures, transparency in sin, transparency in those things that are hidden. Today's an opportunity to do that. It ought to burn within us. I want to get this taken care of. I need to confess who I need to confess to. I need to confess to him. I, I, I need to, to receive the forgiveness that he's already paid for. I need to acknowledge that he cleanses me of all unrighteousness. I need to acknowledge that in that state, I can ask him to fill me with his spirit and his power so that we can move forward with what God has called us to. It's critical. It's essential. And so that's the calling today. I'm going to ask the team to come back to the platform. And they're going to sing a great, great song. Because this is about the Holy Spirit in us. This idea that the Holy Spirit was quenched. In other words, the Holy Spirit removed his power from the people. God's provision for us to restore that power is repentance and confession, being cleansed, receiving his forgiveness. It's not an option. It's what he calls us to. I want to invite you to stand. Lord Jesus, um, I believe that this is something that burns passionately in your heart. We confess, Lord, that there is a tendency to be a casual Christian in this culture where we live. 
We want to be sold out to you. We want to give you all that we are. We want to see the supernatural done in our midst, the miraculous, the things that could only be of you. But that requires your power. There may be sin that quenches that power. We want to get that restored even at this moment. I'm here at the front to pray with anybody who would like to pray. You're welcome to come forward and pray. I encourage you. Don't put this off any longer. You know who you are. we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness that is his provision for us at this time and I pray you avail yourself of his provision thank you Lord for hearing our prayer have your will and way in every heart and life I pray in Jesus name